Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger. With me, as always, is my good friend Bebop, Robomogo Wanatron. Say hi to everybody, Bebop. Hey, what's up, everybody? So... In the last episode, the Marlowe kids had arrived on a moon to face off with the Shakespeare kids. Psst! Hey, Jonathan. Oh, hey, Bebop. What's up? Hey, so are we just pretending that everything is normal and we've been making episodes all along? Well, Bebop, we really shouldn't be talking about this on the microphone, but yeah, we're just going to keep going. Okay, cool. So just act like everything was back when we were making this season last year. Bebop, come on, man. Play it cool. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, yeah. Hi, everyone. Happy 2020. I have a feeling this is going to be the best year yet, and nothing strange is ever going to happen. <laughs> okay, way to go, Bebop. Real smooth. Okay, well, we are back, and this is our first new season episode in a while, so let's get right into it, shall we? If you remember what happened in the last episode, Finn and everyone had been challenged to a new round of the Galactic Games by the Shakespeare A20, who had Finn's friend, Juliana, aboard. And when Troop 301 arrived on the moon to take on the Shakespeare kids, Juliana had flown with wings up to meet them. So let's see what happens in the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian Season 7, Episode 3. See you later. Crater. Abigail had landed the pod with the entire troop in stunned silence. Before she opened the hatch, Abigail turned to Finn. Okay, I just have to ask, she said. Are we even sure that's Juliana out there? Finn nodded. I'm sure, he said. Because of the wings thing, said Vale. We're not sure if it's her because she was flying with gigantic like eagle wings and generally speaking, people don't have big old wings on their backs. Yeah, I get it said Finn. But I'm sure it's her. I just don't know what's happened to her. But we're going to find out. Abigail opened the hatch. And Finn was the first to jump out. The surface of the moon was crumbly, and when his boots hit the ground, a cloud of moon dust billowed into the air. But Finn kept moving, running toward where Juliana stood, having landed about 30 feet away, near the Shakespeare kids, but not with them. Hold on a second, said Cymbeline, the tall Troop 103 explorer who had been a thorn in the Marlowe kid's side in the past. Now is not the time for family reunions. I want to talk to Juliana, said Finn. And I want a burrito, 
said Cymbeline. But we are astronauts on some dirty old moon about to play in some ridiculous games, so I don't think any of us is going to get what we want right now. Sorry, um, I'm just catching up here, said Vale, walking up. Did you say there are burritos? Okay, listen up, said Hamlet, nudging Sibylline to the side. The leader of Explorers Troop 103 had been standing by the Shakespeare pod, no doubt waiting to make a dramatic entrance. Oh no, not Hammy, said Vale. It's Hamlet, and yes, it's me. I'm here with all of my friends. Following Hamlet were the other kids of the Shakespeare troupe, Romy and Beth. We should get started, said Hamlet. The sooner we beat you guys, the sooner you're gone for good. Yeah, right, said Abigail. Last time you couldn't even beat us when you were cheating. This time we know you're cheaters. There's no way you're going to win. Do you even know what games we're playing, said Cymbeline. No, and it doesn't matter, said Vale. We'll win. The first game is called, who can say the first game is called first, said Hamlet. What, said Finn. And I just won it, said Hamlet. Hold on, what is going on right now, said Abigail. I can tell you, said Foggy. The strange boy with the annoying voice. Hey, said Hamlet. He said the first game is called, who can say, the first game is called, first. Meaning the game itself is called, who can say the first game is called first. So, when he said the first game is called, he was the first person who said the first game is called, and therefore he won the game. It's really quite clever. Hamlet smiled. No, that doesn't count, said Elias. Totally counts! said Hamlet, and we are up one to nothing. The Shakespeare kids all high-fived, while the explorers shook their heads. Okay, so do you have a real game for us to play then? said Elias. Finn looked over at Juliana. It was definitely her. She had the same long brown hair. She looked older than the last time he'd seen her. But it was her. Why was she standing so far away from them, and not talking? And why did... She have wings. Is Juliana going to play? Asked Finn, snapping out of it. Of course, said Hamlet. She's on our team. No way, said Finn. She's a Marlowe kid. You kidnapped her. She plays for us. Everyone turned to look at Juliana, who still stood some 15 feet away from anyone. She didn't say anything. It should be up to her, said Abigail. Too bad it's not said Cymbeline. Juliana, without saying a word, leapt into the air and flew into the sky. Within seconds, she disappeared into the thin clouds of the moon. Okay, that settles that, said Hamlet. Now, the second game is called... Don't say the second game is called... Who can say the second game is called first, said Vale. I'm not falling for that again. Don't be ridiculous, said Hamlet. The second game is called Crater Jump. In it, you have to, well, yeah, jump over craters. Hamlet turned, and the explorers followed him and the other Shakespeare's past the Shakespeare pod and over to where someone had dug a line into the dust of the moon. This will be the starting line, said Hamlet. 
you have to run to that hill in the distance and then make your way back. He pointed to a mound which seemed almost a mile away. Between the starting line and the hill, there are many craters on this moon. As you no doubt noted, the gravity on this moon is not as strong as it would be on a planet. That means jumping is easier because the gravity isn't pulling on you so hard. So it's much easier for you to jump up. We know how gravity works, said Finn. Congratulations then, said Hamlet. Now, one of you will have to race against our Beth. The small Shakespeare girl stepped forward and put her toe on the starting line. I got this one, said Abigail. I can outrun and outjump her any day. Fantastic, said Hamlet. On your marks, get set, go! Abigail sprinted off the starting line. Her feet kicked up so much dust that she immediately lost sight of Beth, though she could hear the small Shakespeare kid's boots clomping just behind her. It was difficult to see, but soon she felt the ground rise a bit and saw that she was stepping onto the lip of a small crater, a large hole, or a divot on the surface of the mountain, left no doubt by a small meteorite that had crashed onto it long ago. With one foot on the edge of the crater, she leapt, and for a moment, she felt weightless. The moon's gravity seemed to let go of her, and she flew up into the air and landed nearly 30 feet on the other edge of the crater. She heard the Troop 301 kids cheer in the distance. Yay! She took off running again, and she didn't even hear Beth land behind her before she was already on the edge of another crater and leaping, soaring again. She felt like she could fly. It was exhilarating. It was fun. She landed beyond the edge of the crater and pushed forward. Like an Olympic hurdler, she took the next three craters like they were nothing. So she dared to peek over her shoulder to look for Beth, and she saw a small cloud of moon dirt several craters back. I am literally leaving her in the dust, said Abigail, laughing to herself. She hit the next edge of the crater and launched into the sky. She went so high that over the edge of the moon she could see the rings of the planet like rainbow streaks in the sky. She thought she might even be able to make out the distant blinking of the Marlow, like another star in space. But then something strange happened. As she reached the top of her jump, ready to descend and land on the other side of the crater, something seemed to pull her down. She felt heavy. She immediately began to drop, far short of the edge of the crater, and far sooner than she should have. Oof! She landed deep in the crater. She stood up, and whatever had been pulling her down seemed to release her from its grip. She started running again and reached the edge of the crater like a cliff rising in front of her. Without slowing down, she began jumping and climbing, propelling herself off of rocks on the cliff's edge and floating up just as she was about to reach the far edge of the crater and pull herself up. She saw Beth fly over her and land in the dust. No, said Abigail. She lifted herself out and began chasing the Shakespeare racer. Within ten strides, she had caught up to Beth. Abigail, what happened? said Finn over the communicator. It looked like you fell. I don't know, said Abigail. Something fishy happened. I don't know how she's doing it. Abigail looked over at Beth, but I think she's cheating. Beth smiled. 
Abigail sped up, leaping over four more small craters before reaching the hill and turning to race back. She hopped, skipped, and jumped over each crater in her way and turned to see that Beth was now four craters behind her, with just one left before Abigail crossed the finish line. She saw her friends all waiting for her. She stepped onto the lip of the crater and leapt up, 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 and up, and up, and up, and up, and up. What's happening? cried Abigail as gravity seemed to release her entirely, and she floated higher and higher, never coming back down. Abigail! shouted Finn. She kept going higher and higher. No one seemed to notice that Beth was catching up. No one, except the Shakespeare kids, who were silently pumping their fists with excitement. As Beth stepped to the final crater, she leapt and soared to the other side with ease, walking across the finish line in first place. You cheated, shouted Elias, as Beth celebrated with the other Shakespeare kids. Did we? said Hamlet. Prove it. I don't know how you did it, said Elias, but... Um, Elias, said Foggy. We're up to nothing now, said Hamlet. This is going to be easier than I thought it would. This is ridiculous, said Finn. We should never have agreed to this. Um, Finn, I think... Pretty soon we will be victorious and the Marlow will finally return to Earth, smiled Hamlet. In your dreams, said Vale. Guys! shouted Foggy. What? said the explorers. Foggy pointed to the sky. Abigail is about to leave the atmosphere. All right, everybody, it feels so good to be back. Thank you so much for all of your patience. Thank you for listening to the story. I hope it was fun. Uh, Who knows what's going on here, right? Seems like the Shakespeare kids are cheating. But so far, we don't have proof. So we're going to have to find out what happens in the next episode. How can they get Abigail back? What's going on with Juliana? How are the Shakespeare kids managing to mess with all the games here? My editor, Griffin, he asked me to say this to you all. Hi, hi, hello. Uh, Griff, you know, like a lot of kids these days, is doing remote learning. So he's on the computer all the time for school. So we're giving him a little bit of break. But he says he will be back and he will appear in, if not next week, in an episode very soon. So we're going to do all of our jokes and art thank yous and everything that we normally do once Griffin is back, which should be very, very soon. Maybe next week, like I said. In the meantime, it's great news. It means we have a new episode coming next week, next Wednesday. We'll see you then. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as Griffin would say, bye, bye, bye. Adventures of Fincast Music, Gen Z Kids Production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Emerson Messenger is our intern. The music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse. For more great shows like this one, made by me and my partners, go to gzmshows.com. That's Gen Z Media, gzmshows.com. All of our shows with there, you find a million great podcasts. For you and your family thank you so much for sending in your art your ideas your sounds everything 
Love it so much. And we will be featuring all that stuff very, very soon. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Oh, man. 2020 is going to be so much fun. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.